All right. So, yeah, I want to get right into this thing. How would you describe what it is that you do? What is your work or maybe what do you point to in your videos? Hmm. Um, I, I often sort of frame it, particularly for people who haven't met my work before. I, I sort of say there's two very broad perspectives on life. And one is the one that, I don't know, it seems like 99.999% of people believe is the only perspective on reality. And that's what I call the seemingly describable world. Seems like we can describe the world, you know? I mean, sure, there's elements of it that we have an appreciation that sort of beyond our ability to describe. But even that we live in a world, of course, is a description. Even even the idea that we are someone living in a world is a description. Um, and then all the myriad ways that we seem able to describe what's happening, uh, what we believe is happening um, in terms of all this stuff, all this phenomena, all this experience. And it's powerful. You know, that perspective is, is very powerful and language facilitates that and reinforces it. And, and language is quite facile you know we've got this dictionary filled with however many tens of thousands of words in it in english words and uh in the case of our language and well, why do we have all these words well you know if the words are there in a sense they've been created as a way of rendering what's here and describing what's here and communicating about what's here so that's the described perspective and again most people just assume it's true i would say um, a true uh, reflection of what's actually going on here. And then there's this other perspective that I'm oh, introducing in my work to people, introducing people to. And sometimes I'll describe it as the experienced perspective or the experiential perspective. Um, and that perspective turns out to be very interesting uh, with respect to our conventional notions of things. Because the experience perspective is, I could say, 180 degrees from what we think is happening, conventionally speaking. And that's an, a remarkable thing to discover. It's a liberating thing to discover, from my standpoint. And um, yeah, the discovery of that perspective um, reveals what we're searching for in life, I would suggest, as oh. humans, generally speaking, both even within a, a kind of more non-spiritual, just human kind of vantage point, like what are we looking for? We're looking for a sense of well-being, we're looking for a sense of um, contentment, fulfillment, you know, I haven't even mentioned any sort of classic sort of spiritual words. <laughs> in a spiritual context, that same search, I would say, gets framed as realization, enlightenment, God, awakening and so on but in either of those cases we our tendency is to look for those things that we're searching for within the seemingly describable world right mm. um we're kind of looking for our well-being very much based on our definitions of things oh this is evidence of well-being the way i've described this moment this circumstance this experience and then this circumstance event and so on Based on how I'm describing it, yeah, that's definitely not well-being. That's definitely not peace. That's definitely not freedom and so on. Yeah. And then this other perspective, which is 
the discovery that reality, the reality of our experience is entirely, utterly beyond comprehension and description and definition, mm -hmm. um, is freedom, freedom from all the seeming implications that our language kind of suggests about what's going on here, which can often feel, you know, s small, limited, problematic, and so on. Um, so that's kind of, and then, and so my work then centers around, well, since this seemingly describable world is so freaking convincing, <laughs> um, like, yeah, I feel like I'm sitting in a room talking to another human and in one sense I am. So that, that's another important sort of thing to say here, which is that the discovery that this is fundamentally inconceivable, indescribable, doesn't negate, curiously enough, the seemingly describable world. Not really. It's like that world keeps showing up in a sense. It keeps mm. being here. Like I have this, like I could see that I'm not merely sitting in a room that, that what's here is beyond description, but the room doesn't go away, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah. that's the thing though, yeah. is it does eventually, right? Or it transforms maybe. And it's uh, the phenomenal plane is like the show itself it goes on, the show must go on. But I think what happens is we get caught in just the show and it's a myriad of appearances. And we think that's it. And we try to find that freedom and liberation that you spoke of mm -hmm. in the phenomena of the show, but mm -hmm. it's never to be found there because essentially it's all an illusion. There's never a point where we can be like, this is freedom. This is who I am. This is the answer per se. This is the truth in that. So you're saying mm -hmm. this, this sense of truth, if you want to even call it that, uh, no. is found within uh, essentially no answer, no identity, no seeming appearance within the phenomenon. It's it. it it exists within non-existence in, in, in an unmanifest well, curiously, form. Curiously, I would say it actually does exist in what we call the phenomenal world. It is the phenomenal world. In other words, it's not two realities. It's a single reality that from one side of the coin looks like something and can be described seemingly as something that we call phenomena. And then on the other side of the coin is it's like the finite side of the coin and the infinite side of the coin. Yeah. But it's one coin. It's one coin. So exactly. <laughs> that's the thing is that our norm, what we call our normalcy, our everyday life, so-called, is not what we think it is, even though mm. it seems to be. Yeah. So I don't have to go somewhere else. This is the convenience of this. <laughs> I don't have to go somewhere else to find this transcendental freedom that's beyond comprehension. It's mm. actually right very midst of everything that's here it's it is the appearing that's its that's its shine that's its display that's its radiance is all that's appearing so the phenomena are not some sort of problem i have to like somehow get a, away from or reject it's like no 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 they are uh, um, they are its brilliant display i've been talking a lot lately about using the metaphor of the rainbow just because it's such a so such a lovely and powerful metaphor because the rainbow definitely looks like something doesn't it it appears to be 
what it appears to be, this display of color and spectrum of color. And in one sense, it is that. There it is. I can see it. I can paint pictures of it. I can point it out to you and you can point it out to me. And, and then when we go to look for what is a rainbow <laughs> and we go into the rainbow, literally, we, we find nothing, right? We find space. We find no rainbow. Well, wait a minute. Which, which one is it? Is it empty space or is it a rainbow? We could say it's empty space that looks like a rainbow, can look like a rainbow. And that, that same, if you will, empty space can look like you and it can look like me. It can look like the world and it can look like my experience. It can look like everything. And um, that's really quite something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We were talking before we started the interview about mag magic, you know, the magic show. And it's like, you know, yeah, it is a kind of magic, you know, that this unresolvable sort of infinite bottomless you know emptiness really does look like shows up as a, what we call the formed world a phenomenal yeah. world um so infinite really potential infinite potential yeah, in the way I, that it appears you know it seems to be that way yes <laughs> it seems to be that way hmm. yeah it's so it's so tricky to discuss this stuff because there's a very natural tendency for us as humans to even when we're talking about this unresolvable infinity to then try to start to talk about like how all of this is structured somehow how is all sort of fit together mm. and the more I look the more impossible that seems to be essentially <laughs> because it's like it's it's weirder than weirder than weird you know, yeah. in terms of what it is. It just really can't be sad. Mm -hmm. And um, and there's several, and so in my work, I there's sort of several kind of tricks. They're not really tricks. They're just sort of ways of exploring our experience that can reveal the way in which our, they can reveal the impossibility of collapsing what's here into any kind of conceptual framework because we think we can it seems collapsible and again right it's like it, it seems like it becomes something fixed and formed and definable but our experience if we pay attention to our experience keeps revealing that that's not actually the case yeah and it doesn't actually collapse into anything yeah yeah so it's like the only thing that we can define about it is that it is undefinable <laughs> It's the paradox. That's pretty much what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's that's what we can know is that it's un unknowable in the sense of it's it's not unknowable in the sense of it can be discovered. This unresolvability, this inconceivability can be discovered. Yeah. But it's unknowable in the sense of like how we typically think of knowledge as like Yeah. This is what it is. That's my knowledge. Like a my concrete fact. Yeah. Exactly. Like my my way of rendering it. My knowledge. Oh, I know what this is. <laughs> uh, well, actually, it, it it it's paradoxical. Yes, I know exactly. This is a great paradox. Like I know what things are on the one hand, but I also don't, mm. which is an odd, seemingly contradictory thing to say. <laughs> but that's the way it kind of I would say reality seems to show up. Like I was saying with the rainbow, but in, in lots of other ways, like all the flavors of life that seem quite recognizably distinct one from the other, right? Like I know the flavor of salt 
uh, it's really identifiable. It's like it's very specific, like it's salt. And I can distinguish that phenomena. I can know and distinguish that from some other flavor like sweet, right? So really, I would never deny that. But then when I go to look for what makes salt salt, like what is it? <laughs> yeah. I I hit a just an absolute dead end mm-hmm. of like, you know, in the sense of meeting the unknowability of it. Like I never, if I explore some phenomena to come to the conclusion of what it is to come to its identity, Yeah. right? Like what makes me identify that as being salt or sugar? I never find the identity. And that's the basic idea in Buddhism of emptiness is mm-hmm. the, the impossibility of finding the identity, not just of the, the supposed selves we are, but the identity of any phenomena what it is actually what what is that phenomenon and i can't say what any phenomena actually is yeah because it keeps going it just keeps you could say well salt is uh some you know it's these kinds of atoms well then what are those made of and you know, those right. are made of electrons and neutrons and protons right. well, what are those but, just keep yeah. going you and you're bringing up an important point that i i try to make this distinction it's not i mean it's an easy one to make in a sense which is we could say like, oh, like there's sort of two poles of reality. There's what we might call the objective pole and the subjective pole. And you were just describing kind of what we would think of as the objective pole, which is like, what is a salt constituted of sort of materially, right? Like how, what kind of configuration of molecules is yeah. it that makes it distinct from another configuration of molecules or atoms or whatever makes up atoms. Mm-hmm. But you're right that when you investigate the objective pole of some phenomena, if you will, it's materiality, it's physicality, supposed phys- physicality. Well, just ask the quantum physicist. I mean, it's it, they, okay. they they don't have a final conclusion as to what it is. I mean, um, my understanding of which is very <laughs> limited, to put it mildly, of, of physics, is that where the physicists are now left is mathematics. That's how they describe the world mathematically, mm-hmm. because it's beyond observability as actual phenomena so what's there right now is a description of the material world is math and interestingly the math itself that describes matter so-called the math itself is made of infinities so we can see right there that the math i had an amazing conversation with a quantum physicist about this that the math itself doesn't resolve as being right like you can't know what pi is fundamentally because it's infinite right so, and yet we can still use the math to do all sorts of things to describe the world and make predictions. Yeah. So that's the whole objective pole. And what I, because I'm not a physicist, but I joke, half joke that my work is about being an experiential physicist mm-hmm. and exploring exper- exploring the subjective pole, if you will, of something like salt or sugar. Like what is the experience of salt? Like you can recognize it. It's very specifically a certain identifiable right kind of pattern or whatever experience is made of but then you go to try to find like what are the experiential particles of salt and sugar what what makes or or fear or joy you like what are those particles of subjectivity what what is what is experience what is experience actually made of i mean to me that's the mo- it's the most basic question it's the most profound question and yet we hardly ever ask it as human beings. We just assume we know what experience is because we have words to describe it. But but look, and, and you'll discover that we can't conclude, just as a physicist can't come to a final conclusion 
of matter, we can't come to a final conclusion of what experience is either. Where does that leave us? It leaves us in the open-endedness of the unknown, of the mystery, of, of the inconceivable. Mm. And yeah, and again, that's a, you know, there's, this is so pragmatic, like from a human standpoint, you know, I, here I am feeling I'm a human dealing with my difficult life circumstances, my, my difficult internal experience, my thoughts, my feelings, you know, this is what, what ties humans up in knots psychologically, let's say, right. And creates yeah. what we might call suffering. Yeah. And, uh, and yet both the individual that I feel that I am and the phenomena that I imagine myself overwhelmed by or stuck in or trapped in or identified with, when I look, I can't find the individual and I can't find the phenomena that I think the individual is overwhelmed by or stuck in. <laughs> mm -hmm. Where does that leave? It, it, where does that leave? It leaves me nowhere in a sense. It leaves, leaves me, you know, it, it's, it, it leaves, it just reveals this wide open, wide openness. I guess would be one way to describe the indescribable. Hmm. Hmm. Does it leave you with a sense of awe? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, I would say there's different fruits of this exploration. Um, more enjoyment, less suffering being the most, you know, obvious, simple way to put it. Um, but I would say that awe and wonder seems to be the natural fruit of this exploration. It's like more and more. It's like, it's all, it's all awe. It's all yeah. awesome. All Every of it. moment. All all seemingly it. insignificant shit on the road is awesome. <laughs> it's a miracle. It really is. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. not like there's some pieces of reality that are miracle and other pieces that are not. Mm. Everything's made of whatever everything is made of. We could call it life. We could call it reality. We could call it, I don't know, what is everything made of? Well, whatever it's made of, everything is made of that yeah. fundamental, fundamental basis of everything. And it's pure, it's pure, inexplicable miracle, isn't it? Yeah. That anything even here, that anything even exists, that anything is appearing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes it a miracle is the indescribableness of it. The fact that there is no end point per se. There's no point where we can figure it out. Imagine if you could figure right. it out. That wouldn't doesn't make any sense. It's like no. <laughs> it'd be an end to the story, I guess you could say. It's like why would I want to figure it out? I don't know. Well, it's, it's like the question of why is there something rather than nothing? You know, there's no answer to that question. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. What, what, I mean, the humans try to come up with answers to that question, but it's a fool's errand as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, what, but, but that leaves that, you know, if you contemplate that, feel the reality of that, it's just, you know, you're on your knees just in sheer astonishment at, at everything, really. Mm, why is there something rather than, yeah, you can't explain that, but there is. <laughs> But there's also nothing. It's, it's like the simultaneous, like, it's both. Yep. It's both at the same time. They both it's need both. it. It's like, you know, in one of the, um, and I know when, when people are first encountering, you know, the way I kind of talk about things as we're, just, as we're discussing now, it can sound like very abstract, very philosophical. And 
it's it's nice to make it kind of nuts and bolts. And one simple way, I think the simplest way to see that talking about this as infinite and not resolvable, not conceivable, is not an abstraction. It's actually what we're feeling in every instant. It's the most concrete reality. Um, I think the simplest way to see that, that that is the case, is to look at what's showing up experientially, um, the moment, what we call the moment, now. I mean, we can certainly see that the past is an abstraction, right? Because the past, what we call the past is, we've been chatting for whatever, 20 minutes. Those 20 minutes that we think of like the flow of time, they're, they're, they're not here anymore, they're gone, right? That's, that's the past, what was. What might be in the next moment, 20 minutes from now, we can imagine like a future timeline, that's not here. So what's here is now, this instant, right? The immediacy. So then we can ask a very simple experiential question, which is, okay, now look at what we call now, this flash, this, and to like pinpoint now, like not what was a second ago or a nanosecond ago, or what might be, but what's right now, what's here right now. And ask yourself, how long is the moment here for? Hmm. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> how long? I don't know. As long as I'm aware of it. Well, let me let me ask it a slightly different way. Um, the sense I certainly have of what I call the moment is that it's not uh, static, that it feels the felt sense of reality at the moment, whatever you want to call it, is one of dynamism, like it's alive, yeah, right? And as a it's in its aliveness, there is this sense of movement, this sense of dynamism, like it's not just like frozen. It's, it's moving. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's like the, uh, it's not like something appears and then it just like freezes, like, you know, like you hit the pot, like here we are, if someone was watching this later on, like on YouTube or something, uh, our conversation here on zoom, they can just hit the stop button and then we'll be like frozen objects. Right. <laughs> but of course, reality is not like that. Like there's no pause button. Like, okay, yeah. let me stop. Let me stop the appearing. Boom, yeah. I hit the pause button. Okay. It's no, it keeps shape shifting. It keeps moving, doesn't it? Yeah. And so if you imagine the moment uh, as a, a, something that's kind of unfolding, something that's appearing, like if you were to talk about it in sort of slower terms, like, okay, so the moment is appearing. Well, as it becomes now, Right. As the moment takes shape, the way the moment, the kind of configuration of the moment, mm -hmm. as it's taking shape, because of its dynamism, it's becoming, it's literally become something other than itself in the moment that it appears. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Constantly. In other words, the moment is here for no time. Yeah. No time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to answer your question. It seems like the moment is eternal. And as even before I could conceive of this moment or try to conceive of what the moment was, 
you know, to really take it in. You said, how long is the moment? Well, it's, it's forever. There's no beginning and end to it. <laughs> right. And, and you could also say kind of saying the same thing in a sense, but if you were to try to grasp hold of the moment conceptually in order to, to render it, in other words, to say what it is, to think it, to conceive of it, whatever you or I have conceived of the moment to be, in other words, like what is the shape of this moment? What is the moment like to, 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 to describe it? It's already gone. Mm -hmm. That particular shape of it is gone. Yeah. And now it's, it's, in other words, it's like this, you know, it's like, if I am like illustrating the moment with my hands, it's like it's taking shape. And it's like, again, there's no pause button, like, oh, there's the shape. Now I can describe it feels like, you know, fill in the blank, or it looks like fill in the blank. Yeah. No, it's, it's feel experience. It's absolutely dynamic. It's totally unstable. There's no stability. And that instability can show us in an instant without sitting on a meditation cushion for 30 years mm. that 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 it is impossible to know what this moment is because it's un, it, it's unknowable because it's gone in the instant that it appears it's gone that the the birth of the moment is a death of the moment simultaneously mm. yeah that's why it's un, inconceivable that's powerful ungrasp it's it's absolutely mind-blowing because are in, in when I was you were first asking me to describe, you know, kind of my work, and I was talking about the seemingly describable world, it really rests, like our language and our concepts really rest on this notion of there being things that endure over time, or events that endure over time, or people who endure or phenomena that endure. Otherwise, if a phenomena, a piece per person, place, or thing or experience is not enduring over the time. Then there's nothing. I mean, that just blows up the entire notion of everything mm -hmm. if it doesn't endure over time. And it turns out it doesn't actually endure over time. The, the moment has no duration whatsoever. Now, here's what's so trippy is that you can see that, like, oh my God, like this moment is, it's actually the, the Zen Buddhists describe it as the unborn. It never actually becomes anything, but it looks like it does. Yeah. So in the moment of, in the moment of, and you can just feel this, in the moment of this, this moment's radical impermanence, it's instability, it's just gone. It's never even here. No, it never appears, you know, it's like, um, and yet here is what we call the flow of experience, the flow of time, the flow of phenomena, the, the, the seeming endurance of like, like there's something about the flow of our conversation and our interaction that it has a quality of enduring over time somehow. You know, that's how we can tell a story. That's how we can hear a piece of music, right? It's kind of like stretched out over time, the melody, the narrative. And yet, all of that sense of it being stretched out over time is happening in this flash instant that is no time whatsoever, like absolutely no time. That's yeah. the dance, the timeless that looks like the flow of time. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's well said. <laughs> it's so well said. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's so cool because it's actually, as cool as that may sound like as an idea, 
and intriguing and compelling as it is, and I think it is in a sense because it's so counter to what we think, it's literally what we're experiencing. We're literally experiencing like the gone, gone, gone nature of every moment. It's just like poof. It's just like the instance, just poof, it's gone. And then it's like, but magically, like, it's like a trick birthday candle. You know, you keep trying to blow it out and it still stays lit. It stays lit. Mm -hmm. So it's like reality keeps liquidating itself, like in every instant, just vanishing, vanishing. And yet it's always here. It's <laughs> yeah. always here. It's yeah. always here, but it's not here, but it's always here. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's that's some kind of, it's, uh, it's a paradox at the end of the day, but it makes a it lot of really sense. Is. The way that you explained it, you explained it very well and simply. And I think that's uh, what we need in today's world. If you want to say we need it uh, mm -hmm. to maybe in a way to guide people toward it is a simple way, a simple explanation to this. Um, but I like it. I like the way that you explain things, man. I'm kind of speechless, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's... um. Oh, something I, it's so funny. I, I, uh, I find myself, this is, this is one of the, like, what, what, what's the implications of that? Well, one of the implications of that is that reality is literally, not just figuratively, always new, always fresh. Yeah. It's always, it's never, it's not like we've, you know, like I'm sitting in my living room having a conversation with you. And I've sat in this room, you know, I, I can think back historically, and I've been living here for whatever, five plus years. I've sat in this room many times, you know, I, I kind of live in this room. And, and yet, the experience of what I call a room that I conceive of as this static thing, it's the same room I sat in earlier this morning and last week. It's like, that's an idea. The experience of the room is dynamic it's like i've never i've never been here before i've never been in this experience before this is absolutely new absolutely fresh and in that sense this is really wild i've i've never experienced any of this before yeah that's crazy so i don't know from this vantage what anything is because i've never encountered it it's like going to a a planet you've never been on and you don't know anything because you don't have any reference points for the the kinds of animals on the planet or that they even are animals or the beings that are there or the the flora and the fauna or maybe it, who knows maybe on some other planet what we call flora and fauna is just like it who knows it's so utterly out of our like what we're used to perceiving what we know you know of our world and it's like it's actually like that it's actually like that yeah. now we have not been here before. Like we're on another planet in every instant. And how wondrous is that? It's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think about, you know, I talk, teach a class on, on wonder with my graduate students and, um, we talk about little children and I say, well, I show some pictures of little kids and tell the story of my daughter when she was little, where I was just like, oh my God, the, the whole world is wondrous to her when she was little, you know, when she was little. And then we have this exploration, like, well, why is that? What is it about the child? Why are they, you know, my, I used to walk my daughter to preschool and it was just like a half a block walk to the preschool. And we had to leave plenty of time because that walk could take a long time to get there. Why? 
because she's stopping every few feet. She sees something and she's like, look, dad, look, you know, mm-hmm. it's like to her, the wonder is the astonishment of like, this is new. I haven't seen this before. So everything is wondrous. Right. Yeah. And this is obviously true to the young ones to the little ones because you know they're fresh right they don't have a lot of knowledge of what things are yet because they haven't been in the world yet we've been in the world for however many years we've been as adults and we developed this kind of sense of yeah i know what's going on here i got all this knowledge of what things are so we end up kind of forgetting that childlike wonder um kind of hanging out in our knowledge of I, I, I've seen that I'm like looking through my window here at these trees outside the window I've seen that view like well let me just stop for a moment let me actually look no reference point to the past okay the past is not here and I just look and it's like there is the wonder of the moment mm. never before seen right there no mm. reference point yeah yep. yeah I know what you mean the simple beauty and experiencing. And that's the thing is it is simple. I feel as though we overcomplicate the journey here. Mm-hmm. But with that vantage point that you described, it's truly quite beautiful. Just for beauty's sake. It's just the experience yeah. for experience's sake. And that right there is just that's yeah. quite undescribable, but it's that's what's going on here. It's like art for art's sake, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like like looking, I'm looking at your shirt, you know, on the screen and and I'm looking at the way the there's like a pattern of like the folds of the shirt and like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's easy the mind, the conceiving mind that's in all of its conceptualizations of things as part of that has created without even realizing created a kind of these kind of hierarchies of well the way your shirt is the folds of your white shirt uh, are they're not that's not significant like who cares how they're folded right that's kind of we don't say that so to ourselves consciously but in one sense there's this rich visual appearance and these shapes and shadows and light reflection and we just like write it off like it's insignificant but really what what why is that i'm looking at the most significant thing in the universe in a sense everything i look at is the most significant thing in the universe because everything i'm looking at is the universe yeah (laughs) right Mm -hmm. that's what the universe looks like there and then the microphone that's what it looks like there what i call the microphone and the door and you and the shape of your beard and the color of it and you see, there's no end. Like yeah. as much as much awe as you want to experience, it's there for the taking. Mm-hmm. It's there for the it's there for the unpacking and enjoyment because that's how it seems. That's how it seems to me. That's how it seems to me too. Now, yeah. would you say with this this perspective on the miracle of the moment allows one to step into the show? of Prakriti, this phenomenal plane a little bit differently, as in once you realize the miracle and wonder of it all, you play your act here a little bit differently. There's a different inclination in the way that you play your character. 
you know, I can still hold it with a certain kind of gravitas and a certain kind of seriousness in terms of like this matters, you know, like it matters what's happening in some sense. Like I'm not like some sort of, oh, it's just whatever, an illusion or it's, oh, it's just, I mean, in some sense, it's almost the opposite. Like it all matters like immensely yeah. in a way. It means know, the same all, thing. Everything yeah, mattering all, and nothing mattering. It's kind of. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. I wrote a piece like not too long ago about everything matters, nothing matters. And <laughs> it's like. Um, Somewhere in between those two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's utterly beyond all of that ultimately. But yeah. but I guess I would say for the human life that we seem to be living, you know, noticing more and more how what's happening is this inconceivable miracle um unknowable in the sense of being able to determine what it is and open-ended and not fixed and boundless and boundaryless you know without boundaries anywhere um because those are also conceived and and seeing that uh, there is a quality of holding it much more lightly i would say um you could still because we're human you know at one level like we could still be upset by something let's say or frustrated with something in a moment but then there's this sort of increasing sort of recognition of the other side of the coin like yeah. the sort of the dreamlike nature of it the mirage-like nature of it and that both of those are like they're both there in a sense more and more and more they're always there but there's more of the knowing of that other side like i was um just as an example, I mean, it's kind of not a big deal, but I was in a traffic jam and, and uh, not long ago, and uh, it was really a significant traffic jam. I was going to end up taking, I was driving a long ways back home from LA. And, um, and I just felt that sense of what I would describe as irritation. And it wasn't like I needed, it was fine, you know? So this thing called irritation is there, right? I mean, it's not, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like immense suffering of some kind. But I was just curious, like, in the same way I said at the outset, you know, like this question of what is our experience, that question just arose very spontaneously in the moment of feeling what I was describing as irritation, frustration with the traffic jam. It's like, what is this? What is this? You know, it's like asking, what is a rainbow? Like, what is this rainbow that I'm calling irritation that... Uh, didn't feel that enjoyable in a sense. So then there was this, maybe this natural curiosity to explore it. And literally like in a flash, it was like, just like going into the rainbow and finding nothing, not mm -hmm. finding the rainbow. Mm -hmm. I went into the irritation and found nothing. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of times when I explore experience in that kind of way, the 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 other that that described side of the coin is still there in some sense like um you take something like physical pain and you explore it it's like wow it's not there like you like you look for the rainbow you find nothing you look for the pain you don't find it that doesn't necessarily mean that that experience of that phenomena called pain goes away and, and many times in my experience it doesn't it's still there but now there's this other vantage on it as well like this the the, the empty vantage and with the irritation though in this particular story it was literally gone. Like, it was just gone. It was like just evaporated, like it never even existed. Mm. So that can also, you know, 
because it was like whatever was holding it together the description was just like wow it's like it was just seeing that it's couldn't find it <laughs> i couldn't find it um so that's what i mean by yeah just there's this tendency for a lot of the you know ups and downs of life the the, uh, the slings and arrows of outrageous misfortune you know, as shakespeare called it you know the stuff that happens in life things happen we lose people we lose things we lose experiences we lose capacities we lose things sometimes and that are valuable to us in different ways um, where things don't go the way we wish they might go and so you know it's life right mm-hmm. and that goes on and yet it's like there's this simultaneous other knowing that from the vantage of this undivided indescribability <laughs> all is well yeah all is well all it's- is not so serious. Unthinkably well. You know, the, the Tibetans call it the great perfection. Yeah. Like it's the great perfection. Uh-huh. Great perfection of everything as it is. Um, at the level of the descriptions, you say something like everything is a great perfection and people want to just say you're fully, you know what, you know, mm-hmm. you're telling me my suffering is a great perfection. It's like, well, it's more nuanced than that. I'm not discounting the human experience that it can include what we call suffering and sort of making that like, oh, well, that's perfect just as it is. Um, denying its sort of reality in some sense. I'm not saying suggesting that at all. I'm just suggesting there's another perspective that you can play with. You can become more familiar with. Yeah. And it's life-changing. You become yeah. more familiar with that perspective, is what I would say. Would you say the biggest change or maybe incentive or benefit from this absolute great perfection is Mm -hmm. the fact that we can see our suffering a little bit differently and maybe without question yeah it it, like it like recontextualizes suffering i mean it's like now suffering is you know uh, all of our experience that we might think of as challenging problematic whatever difficult stressful painful in different ways within again within the realm of the seemingly describable world there's the good the bad the pleasure the pain the positive the negative you know all that stuff is there and then that other side of the coin like discovering the you know what is everything fundamentally you could, you know, you could say the existence of everything, the presence of everything, the inconceivability of everything. Those are all different ways of pointing to what is the same about everything. That from that vantage, it just cuts through all the hierarchies, mm-hmm. and you're suddenly touching something that's more basic to everything or more fundamental to everything. And from that vantage, it's like uh, you said, how does it change our relationship to suffering? It's like it's like discovering well i'll use another metaphor it's like waking up from a difficult dream yeah you know a terrifying dream let's say a painful dream and realizing this is all the dreaming consciousness like it's from within the dream if i'm fully asleep in the dream and i don't know that i'm dreaming if i could be you could have a pretty hellish dream right and when you wake up either in the dream or after the dream is over into what we call waking state you realize, oh, wow, that was the dreaming consciousness. It's like there's a very different feel to the, that terror you were experiencing or whatever it was that was difficult. Yeah. And it's a bit like that, I would say. It's like 
it's like, oh yeah, uh, my heartbreak right now is heartbreak, you know? And then I can wake up right in the middle of the heartbreak and see, yes, it's heartbreak and it's the radiance of life. It's the shining forth of the ground of being, you know, those are all just words, but to feel the way in which everything is this, um, everything is, I mean, this would be the way I don't use the word enlightenment or, you know, that, that spiritual teachings talk about. I don't use that such a word or awakening. I don't use that word either. But if I were to try to describe what those words might mean to me in the context of what I share and teach, it's the discovery that everything is the same, that everything is of some singular, that everything is, you, know, you can call God if you want. Mm -hmm. Everything is reality. Everything is it. <laughs> everything is this. Everything is this miracle. And yeah. And that's, that's, um, Oh, it's it's really really different diff different to feel that like there's this moment you know you have to feel this moment of insecurity or anxiety we might describe in such a way we think that's a problem i have to sort of transform that in some way make it go away avoid it you know I'm, I'm doing all this kind of strategizing to sort of get myself out of that experience because why because i think it represents a threat it's evidence that well-being is gone and I need to get my well-being back. And this is an ordinary, right, vantage. It's like, no, actually, this is the very flow of divinity, that experience. This is the very flow of life itself. Literally, it's the flow of life itself. It's like, wow, that's such a different way to feel it as <laughs> like. I, I do that sometimes as a meditation when I'm guiding people and exploring this stuff. I just say, just as you sit here, just feel everything is the expression of reality. You're not trying to like manage your experience. You're not trying to get into some state. Every thought, every feeling, every sensation, every perception, every memory, every visual image, just all of it is just the flow of reality, which it is, of course. It has a different feel to it, doesn't it? It's like a There's relief. No, it's, like, oh. it's such a relief. <laughs> it's such a relief. Like I say, you know, you don't have to correct your experience because the experience that you're having right now is is the miracle. It is the shine of reality. So you don't have to. You can still correct your experiences. You can try to have different experiences. Nothing wrong with that. But you actually don't have to because mm -hmm. the freedom is here as that experience. Mm -hmm. The life is here as that experience. And this life or this being or this presence, whatever you want to call it, is it's there's no division anywhere it's like the body what i call the body's present the room is present you're present the sky is present the trees are present that's this presence that is the basis of everything and if you feel that right now the presence of your, your yourself your body your mind and the presence of what you think of as not yourself and notice how it's a singular presence it's a continuum. There's no like dividing lines anywhere. There's mm -hmm. just presence everywhere mm -hmm. that looks like a bunch of stuff, right? It looks differentiated, but it's one seamless presence. Yeah. And here it is. It's one seamless presence. Mm. Yeah. All is one and one is all. Mm -hmm. Yes. That, and it looks like a multiplicity, of course. It looks like diversity. It looks like a bunch of different stuff, one thing distinct from another. 
product. It has shows to. up as it shows up as differentiated, and yet it's it's undivided simultaneously. Yeah. yeah, that's the miracle. That is really some. That isn't. That's a magic. That's a magic trick. <laughs> or yeah. something that's singular and undivided to look different and differentiated. Mm -hmm. Right? Does it make sense? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, there's kind of like a. I don't know what I would call it, a certain kind of beautiful logic to it, even though it doesn't make, it doesn't fit together like in an ordinary sort of like, how can it be distinct and different and the same? It doesn't really line up in a certain kind of linear logical way. But in another way, it makes perfect sense to me somehow in yeah. some strange way. I know what you mean. Maybe that's because I guess the more we come to see that that's what we're experiencing, that paradox then it makes perfect sense because it's what is, you know, it, it's the only thing that makes sense. It actually makes the most sense. <laughs> it makes yeah. the most sense. Exactly. Uh -huh. It's like a return to sanity, you know? Yeah. Damn, man. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, that is great. That's the good news. It's the gospel, man. It's that like, is the great good news. Exactly. Yeah. It's possible. We imagine ourselves having been plucked out of the hole separated out cast out of the whole of reality mm. and then we somehow have to find our way back to the whole you know that's kind of the spiritual path in many ways yeah you know what what is the the yoga tradition uh yoga means to yoke together you know the soul and god or the atman and the brahman that's yoga and it's like it's funny to think about that like there's really no yoking together of anything it's seeing that the yoga is already the case the union is already the case yeah like you, you and i have never been cast out of the hole like there's only the hole yeah that is the there's yoga. no return it's, to that it's that the is scene. the yoga to see yeah. exactly it's like in a sense there's nothing you have to do truly the absolute explanation there's nothing that one has to do to yoke other than no. see but you don't have than, to see no. technically <laughs> no no you don't you don't i mean um it's it, i guess i would say that for the humans we seem to be seeing that makes a difference somehow yeah but it doesn't have to happen and um recognizing that but not recognizing that tends to lead to searching and looking for something else like like sort of the belief that somehow this moment's not quite enough right mm -hmm. something feels like it's not like i need something more than this it's like wait, wait a minute yeah. this is the absolute reality this is the infinite fullness <laughs> nothing else is needed actually it is this is everything that which is inclusive of everything how much more do you want <laughs> it's like here it is you know it's already complete and whole yeah and uh that's what you are that's what everything is. It's crazy to think that we're actually the same thing fundamentally. Me and you, we're right. just playing a game of me and of you on the Zoom call in separate locations and the listener as well, playing right. this game with each other. But really, at the end of the day, nope, it's all just one person. Well, not even person. It's just this one experience, really say, this one right? presence. I mean, yeah, if, if you were to, if you were to say like we have the ordinary kind of consensus reality ideas that you know i'm perceiving this moment right like i'm participating in this moment i'm aware of this moment and then if you feel that participation that awareness that perceiving 
what, what, what's perceiving this moment? Well, and feel how absolutely unbounded that is. Like it's not, you don't find some fixed form that's perceiving. You just find open-ended presence that's unbounded that's perceiving. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's like all you find is the perceiving. Everywhere you look, you just find perceiving. You don't find individual people perceiving. You just find perceiving. Mm. It's glorious. It is truly gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that kind of makes us immortal. But first, in order to realize your immortality, you have to realize that in a sense, one was never quite born in the first place. It's like in order to escape death, we have to seemingly escape birth. There was never a beginning and the miracle in that is that there is also no end that we all seem to fear so much. But really, that's an illusion as well. Yeah. It's a big one. It's a big illusion. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, when you, you know, when we, if we come back to experience, um, And as we were saying, you know, I was sharing, like, feel the moment. And what would you say? Is the moment being born or is it dying? Two most fundamental things, birth and death, are all rolled into what we call the moment. And they're indistinguishable, birth and death. And in this sense, the moment we can see in that simple way of feeling the moment, that what we call reality, the moment, transcends birth and death. It's beyond both. It's you can't pin it down as being born or dying. It's neither. In that yeah. sense, it's it's uh, well. I mean, it's timeless, you know, because birth and death are in the realm of time, right? Yeah. This is this is outside the realm of time. It doesn't negate time. Mm -hmm. Like we could talk about, you know, birth, the birth of of John, the birth of Gary, you know, as manifestations of the infinite you know that somehow i mean i show this video also in the class on on wonder this incredible like computer generation from birth to con from conception to birth oh my god like it's just so extraordinary you know like the egg gets fertilized and then the egg splits a single egg splits and now it's divided and then it just keeps splitting it keeps splitting it keeps splitting it keeps splitting and then the next thing you know you have a nervous system and a cardiovascular system, brain. So we could talk about that, and then you come out. You know, after nine months, this creature comes out of the mother's, you know, canal, birth canal, and out into the world. That's all time, and that is like this is the paradox, right? Like that all can be talked about. Like I was born, you were born, and eventually, the forms that have appeared as you and me are will disappear uh, when at what we call the time of death the time of passing and but i remember when my mom died and i was with her at her death six seven years ago something very very powerful was sort of shown to me in that moment which was that I felt like 
as she was approaching her death, and you could tell she had this kind of a death rattle, these long, slow breaths. She was like in a coma, it seemed to be. And and it was and the whole feeling, the whole energy was just was just life. You know, it was just the it was just the moment. It was just reality just shining. That we would describe as the final moments of a woman's life. And the family was around her and it was like a lot of emotion. And, but it was just like just raw existence life just the sheer radiance just of the whole thing was so bright and then then she took her last breath and in the moment like that was the moment of what we call death it was very clear like it was shocking it was like the moment of death the end but it was also very clear that that was just experience and as experience there was no end it was like the experience of life and the experience of death were one in the same thing just experience wow. that i call life and that i call death but what was in a sense never ending was experience never ending mm -hmm. just experience that's powerful it's so powerful it would it was very powerful. I felt like my mom, it was a beautiful moment in my life because I felt like there's this term in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition of the, the, one way they describe like in the, they call Ati Yoga, you know, the Supreme Yoga, which is the recognition of the yoga is already here. And this is sometimes called Dzogchen and Tibetan Buddhism. And um, sometimes they describe the teaching, what the teacher's doing they describe it as the confirmation of natural perfection, the confirmation of the great perfection. That's what the teaching is all about. It's just confirming that this is it. Again, <laughs> this is it. This is the absolute reality. And, and I, you know, feel like you know, over the course of my life, you know, over the last couple of decades, you know, there's been this process of discovering that and understanding that in my own experience. And, and at the moment of my mom's passing, it was like, she like, was like the, her death or she or whatever, you know, it's all mystery, was like the confirmation of natural perfection. Like it felt like everything that I had discovered in my life was confirmed in her passing. Wow. <clears throat> it was like, yep. And I, I wrote the last chapter of my last book about that short little chapter. It says the title of which is This Death That Is Also Life. Like they're exactly the same thing, mm -hmm. death and death and life. They're the same thing. They're this. They're both this mystery, mm -hmm. this life. It's the death of death. This radiance. <laughs> yeah, the deaths. Mm. This is good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. Right? <laughs> well, it's like you know, you like you're watching the ocean and you see the. What what happens that we call the birth of the wave, we can describe it like you and I are sitting on the shore. We're watching. Wow, here comes a swell. A wave is being born, and it has a life. And then eventually that wave falls back into the sea. We call that the death of the form of that wave. It's, it's gone. Can't find the wave anymore. Where'd it go? Well, it returned to the sea. But when it was born, it never left the sea. Mm -hmm. so in a sense it never left and it never returned it was always 
the reality of the sea of existence, it never left itself, it never departed from itself in what we call birth and death. In that sense, nothing actually really happened <laughs> that we call birth and death. Yeah. Nothing actually changed. Yeah. And everything changed in another sense too. Yeah. I mean, your birth changed your parents' life forever. And your passing will change people's lives who know you and love you, you know? So in some, some sense, this is the human sort of side of the coin, you know, it's everything, birth and death. And yet from the other perspective, it's like, it's all, yeah. it's all the same fundamental reality that looks, the can look like birth and can look like death and everything in between. <laughs> yep. It's the different shapes. The, the different, different shapes, exactly. Yeah, the different shapes, appearances, flavors of God. Yeah, that's why I, I I will sometimes do like a very simple meditation with people. Like, okay, what is our habit? Our habit is to emphasize how it seems to be appearing and the way we're describing it, and then sort of trying to re rearrange or arrange the appearances in such a way that we're okay essentially mm -hmm. i go cool that's fine that's a kind of a human pastime <laughs> for now just relax that ordinary habit we have and just appreciate the fact of appearing itself rather than how it seems to be appearing just tune into just the appearing and everything is the appearing and right there you're thrust into how everything is the same Everything is the appearing. Very different feel. Mm. <laughs> yeah. This is great. Wow. How did you uh, get on this wavelength? Where did this come from? Did it start at your mother's death or were you already kind of inclined on this? No, no, no. It definitely didn't start there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was 19 or so, uh, freshman in college and kind of out of nowhere, got curious about things I'd never really been consciously curious about, sort of, sort of looking a little more deeply at what's going on here and getting, getting curious about that. And that's a longer story, but, you know, basically books started coming my way they happened to be books about eastern philosophy and meditation i didn't know anything about either of those things and but i started like i had a kind of a thirst a hunger and mm -hmm. i just started reading these books and getting really curious about being more kind of contemplative meditative and, you know went on a real serious like spiritual path spiritual journey of yoga <laughs> of finding my the oneness you know uh, and believing that I had to do a bunch of things in order to make that happen. Mm. And principally meditation, different forms of it. And then about 22 years ago or so, 2001, um, it was just a moment of kind of seeing with a, a real clarity that the yoga was already done. Yeah. That the, the, the union was already the only thing that existed and it was a bit of a shock to see that because i had been pretty busy <laughs> for a couple decades yeah. uh, thinking otherwise you know innocently of course that i was separate from the whole and i had to kind of 
claw my way back to the oneness <laughs> um, like a wave clawing itself back back to the sea <laughs> mm -hmm. and yeah. uh and i feel like since then it's just been an ongoing whatever you want to call it integration of that understanding deepening of that understanding finding more and more of the the depth and the nuance of it and the subtlety of it and the, the implications of it and um yeah so it just seems like an endless in one sense discovery of of, of the liberating nature of that the power of that the astonishment of that discovery mm -hmm. it's not like you know some finish lines like oh all done now you know yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like that at all uh -huh. it feels like i was going to say earlier when we were talking i can't remember what we were talking about exactly but i was just sort of feeling into the astonishing nature of this as we talk about it and i was like oh it was when when i was talking about how everything is actually fresh and new and i, I i've been amazed at this how even in this conversation you know i'm talking about understandings and insights I've talked about countless times. I've written about books about them. And then I'm talking about it with someone like you. And we're having this lovely conversation, kind of shared exploration of it. And it's as if I've never experienced those insights before. It's like they're new every time, yeah. every time. <laughs> right. And that is an amazing feature of it. You know, like it, it doesn't grow old somehow. Like, oh, oh, wow. It's all the appearing, all the radiance, like, okay tell me something more interesting you know it's not like that it's like uh, oh my god it's like, yeah that's the funny um, thing about that's it. how i experience it at least now i feel you because if it wouldn't be truly a miracle if it wasn't always miraculous right exactly <laughs> yeah and to go on the point that you described before isn't it ironic that we go through the seeking phase we go through a sort of journey um a sort of yearning and we yep. do come to some kind of point, even though it's not an end point per se, but some kind of point mm -hmm. where we're like, wait a second, what was I trying to do the whole time? <laughs> some kind of joke in there, right? That's what I find. I find it, it is, kind of funny. Especially if you even take it more into the impersonal dimension of it all and say, you know, it's like there's this ocean of existence, call it God, vast, infinite ocean of existence. Of reality and then it it gives rise to these countless forms you know including with the human form but it imagines as the waves of of human the human beings we you know the body minds you know that were born the waves that are us a sea the sea is imagining itself to be not itself that's what's so amazing it's not like an individual that thinks it's somehow separate from the whole. It's actually the whole that imagines that it's not itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the first time that I saw that, it was like, it just really threw me for a loop. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, like, like you are the very divinity that's been searching for itself. You've always been that and nothing but that. That's what you're made of, every fiber of your being, every corpuscle, every personality characteristic, all of it is made of this divinity. And, um, and yeah, it's like... Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Got it. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> How lucky. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hmm. You know what? Hey, on that note, I think we can probably start to wrap this thing up. Um, I don't have anything yeah. else left to say. No, I, I, I was going to say, I, I thought uh, your hallelujah was the perfect note to end on. So. <laughs> yeah, you want to keep it at that? Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I mean, um, you know, if people are interested in exploring my stuff. I'm easy to find a website that has lots of stuff on it, like lots of materials, videos, podcast interviews that have other interviews I've done, um, meditations, guided inquiries, all sorts of stuff on there. If anyone ever wants to check it out and ways of being in touch with me, um, about, you know, things that I'm offering out in the world around these explorations, because I do so love to explore this with other people. It's truly such a joy. So, mm. I love it as well. Um, my website is just my name, John I'll put everything down in the description for people to see. But, uh, but I'm happy to, to be in touch with people. So Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to. I'm happy that uh, we were in touch and did this. This was amazing. Yeah, I'm so glad you reached out, Gary. It's really, really a delight talking with you. For sure. Um, I appreciate your time, effort, and wisdom that you brought to this this novel moment that we have recorded on the internet. I appreciate it so much. So um, thank you. Keep doing your thing. Um, Thanks, Gary. Yeah, wish you all the best. Thank you for anybody that listened this long. Um, Peace and love. That's it. Peace and love.